0: Give everybody out there listening a very warm white cat welcome because you're tuned in to the white cat outdoors podcast up everybody it is episode shit I forgot already eighteen 19. 18 nineteen, 19. episode 19 and white's here what's going on guys and uh tommy hey everybody and we have a host in the hot seat tonight you've met me you met tom you met luke so you you have all the important people down you know us all um but we have one other guy part of white cat that uh, i guess you should probably get to know him too and he's sitting right over there nick
1: hey uh, i just want to say thank you for having me guys on the show it's a real honor
0: yeah is this, this is your first time well, you can it?
1: make it yep yeah, yeah of course yeah I'd, I'd do anything to make it on the show
0: yeah, it's, it's a pretty prestigious show, so we're, we're glad you could make time for us.
1: Well, it's uh, greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. So <laughs> yeah. what are we getting into today?
0: Uh, whatever we say. Yeah. yeah. And oh, okay. You just got to do whatever we say, and that's
2: all there is to it. Simon says, love it. So let's just, well, this is, guys, I know it's heartbreaking, but this will be the final host hot seat.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say it was the final episode. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yikes.
2: No, no, there's going to be more, but <laughs> we have officially run out of things to talk about. No, we do have Nick to talk about tonight. What's <sighs> inappropriate?
1: <Gross>. Oopie.
2: <laughs> anyway, so let's get right into it. We're going to start out way back, Nick, with your first outdoor memory. Like to the
1: warning track. Yeah.
2: Over like a way back Wednesday. Yeah. Mm. It is Wednesday. It is
0: Wednesday, my, my dudes. dudes. It is oh, Wednesday, man. my dudes. That I even got my perfect. gates.
1: Grape gates. Yep, it's not quite grape, but it's gates.
0: Green apple gates, it works yep. just right.
2: Starts with G. Yep. so way back, Nick, first outdoor memory.
1: First outdoor memory that I remember well, or yeah. that yeah. like That would
2: be a memory. Well, Nick.
1: I, I didn't know if like cuz pictures can, you know, That's not remind a you of a memory, but memory, first outdoor memory for me, it was probably uh, probably leaving the hospital I can...
2: <laughs> yeah i'm sure you remembered that <laughs> no
1: 1996
2: uh, right that was yeah
1: yeah uh no 97 actually i was born in 96 oh, left yeah. the hospital so you were in the hospital for a year yeah i was whole year <laughs> it was wild rough first start but uh got my first outdoor experience then uh but no past that um i'm assuming you were talking hunting fishing you know the great outdoors that we all love this is an outdoors podcast yeah yep the indoor outdoor podcast um uh, probably i would say age 10 grade four mentor turkey hunt and uh the way that started out i was we we're eating dinner uh at the table and we have this great look out the back property <laughs> thank you tom uh tom's just getting all the condensation off his beer over there a little distracting but uh anyway so like i said we're having dinner at the table we have a gorgeous view of the of the property out our back, back window 40 yeah and um while we're eating dinner, I noticed that there's a gobbler out in the back of the field. It was turkey season, and I hadn't, I've had not i never been turkey hunting before yet, uh, but I always wanted to, and the mentor program had just started that year. Uh, so I'd ask my dad, he's and say, could we go out in the morning before I go to school? He's like, well, you know, you got school at 9 o'clock. Like, you got to be back at the house probably 8.15, 8.30, you know, because mom's not going to let you miss school. He said, well, we can go for the morning if you want, and I was all in. So... Next morning, wake up and can't find my camel pants.
0: You didn't think to look for them the night before. No,
1: nope. uh, Tom knows that I still haven't learned that trick. Yeah, oh, he sure hasn't. Uh, but anyway, so couldn't find my camel pants, but I had my camel coat and I threw a pair of black jeans on. My dad told me, well, if the bird sees you, it's not my fault. But uh, we went anyways. We get in the woods, sit down. I'm actually I was pretty little. You know, so I was only ten. I was right, sitting right in my dad's lap, and uh, he started calling birds gobbling like crazy they fly down and doesn't a hen fire right up nice I thought the morning was over because I'd heard that story many a times but um we kept going my dad started calling a little bit more aggressive and next thing I know gobbler's starting to come my way I could see him at about 100 yards working his way through um he's just closing the gap closing the gap my dad's whispering in my ear and he tells me that you know I'll let you know when it's safe to shoot and I was sh- shooting a uh, single shot 20 gauge, so he was with a scope, correct? Yeah, with a scope. Yep, uh, it was a 222 over 20 gauge. Um, actually, it was other way around, but either way, had a scope on it, single shot, and oh, it's uh, well, a 222 over 20. Yeah, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. I had it right the first time. Yeah. Anyways, have faith in yourself, Nick. Yep, a lot of faith. But uh, so the bird's coming in. He tells me, you know, I'll give you the. Green light when it's ready to shoot, because uh, I want to make sure it's in close enough. Because I had, I'm still a horrible judge at distance. I was gonna say I don't but, think you've gotten any but better. I wasn't at judging any, distance. I wasn't any better at 10. So my dad was letting me know, and uh, the bird there was basically a vine that was coming out, and he said when it gets past that, that's when it's gonna be safe to shoot. But I'll let you know. So the bird comes in, and he's right about at the vine. He said Nick, when he comes out, you go ahead and shoot him. So he comes freaking around. smoking he's at full strut and he comes around that vine and he's in range and that, and that was at probably about 25 yards and then he my dad's like all right shoot him nick and then bird keeps you know strutting and walking in getting a little closer my dad's like nick shoot him he's just you know like whispering in my ear because i'm right in his lap and i'm still i'm just holding my gun on him and i'm looking through the scope getting everything lined up and he's like nick and then shoot and then boom blast this thing bird drops right there flopping around we jump up get up on him we didn't have to go far it was ended up being from my 10 year old body i was able to take 11 strides that's where the bird was smoked him right there uh remember well, we smacked him with the wad yeah i think i did it dropped him right there but i remember walking up to him and this was at like not even seven o'clock in the morning it was like early mm-hmm. um but i remember walking up to it, and I'm shaking like crazy. It was the first time I've ever killed something while hunting with my dad. And I looked down, I'm like, Dad, I'm shaking, but I'm not even cold. And he started laughing. He's, he's like, that means you It's your adrenaline, you know. And, mm-hmm. But I've been hooked ever since. And I Tell you what, I was the proudest guy at school that day because I was, you know. You did had make my, it to school on time. I did. Yeah, I even got on the bus was telling nice. everybody about it. But that, Tom, right there was my first outdoor memory that I can recall on. Well, let's hear the deets of this bird. Nick, go ahead, give us weight, spur length, beard length, the whole nine. Everybody wants to know. Well, I tell you what, it tasted great. Uh, (laughs) uh, No, um, it was Jake. um, Jake from State Farm. But uh, I think as puffed out and stretched as I could get it, about two and a half inches, uh, just poking through the feathers. So it
0: just barely made it through.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, You know, it was. uh, i don't know maybe i shot it off i don't know probably had about what three four inch spurs on it uh i don't it was just starting to get nubs kind of like a button buck oh yeah um fan was not full uh you know has probably view- from fighting for yeah, years yeah yeah that's exactly i think like you said that's probably what happened probably a four-year-old uh, bird yeah and i didn't weigh them but i tell you what at 10 years old that thing was heavy to carry out so, so probably 35, 40 pounds. I was thinking closer to 50, but, I mean, just so we're not exaggerating, yeah, probably 35. That's a big bird. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but, you'll have that with them big mature ones yeah, like tell that. Tell you what, tasted great, though. I still got the beard. Yeah. And, and uh, I kept the whole foot with the spur-ish. <laughs> the spur-ish. But it's there, and it's, it's, it's the first memory. It's like shooting a spike horn. Never did, though. but <laughs> Never do, though, of course. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, uh, that's the deets. So that uh, that turkey hunt right there, that kind of turned you into quite the turkey hunter, huh? Oh yeah, still turkey hunting. For a long time, turkey hunting was definitely my favorite. Uh, about probably three, four years ago, I kind of got more into archery. Not that I'm not into turkey hunting. I'm big time turkey hunter. Love killing birds. Um, just a, I'm impatient, and uh, I feel that. I just uh, with turkeys, it's one of those things where I feel like it's either happening or it's not. If they're gobbling, it's happening. You're excited. If they're not gobbling, you, I just keep moving. You know, and it worked pretty good for me. I get a bird most years. A uh, few years I took it took it off, but what do you, what can you do?
2: But, not a whole lot you can do. But you're you're pretty decorated with your birds. oh
1: yeah, I've killed uh, a bunch of longbeards, bunch of jakes. I was say everybody heard uh, the story a couple
0: weeks ago the. The big one that he copped off a of UT. Yeah, yeah.
1: but uh, like I said, it's uh, I have no prejudice on turkeys. Uh, if he comes in, I'm shooting him, Jake, Tom. I don't care. It's uh, gets the blood pumping. Yeah, uh, like I said, it. I mean, you could. I'm sure somebody can make the same comparison to whitetail, but I don't know. If I can get a bird to come into me, I'm not gonna sit there and judge. Mm, beard's not long enough. I'm just he's getting smoked. So yeah, that's definitely. just how I roll it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So like, where did you go from, you know, your first turkey experience, you know, and you said you got into archery hunting, you know, heavily a few years ago, but you've obviously always been archery hunting and rifle hunting. So what like was your progression from your first turkey hunt there, killing your first bird on up to now?
1: Uh, Do you want, are you just on turkeys in general? No,
0: anything. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, I guess it'd probably be easier. I'll just start with turkeys because I have, I feel like grown quite a bit when it comes to turkey hunting. Um, yeah, like I said, just give us the whole rundown. started with a um, single shot, 20-gauge turkey hunting in my dad's lap. Um, and then by the time I turned 12, I'd, I killed a bird when I was 11. When I was 12, I, I was only missed. Um, I started turkey hunting when I was 10. I think I've only missed two seasons, two maybe three, uh, without getting a bird, and I'm 23 now. Um, so I'm usually pretty solid when it comes to turkey hunting. Um, but when I was 12, I started – playing around with my own calls like calling myself um couldn't get the mouth calls down for a while Um, i was big into slate calls because that was just what worked for me actually did a competition um had best in show for a purr but not even close to anything good after that so and purring usually doesn't bring them in you know but anyway then i got into mouth calls and i started shooting a 12 gauge still i i have i can't get away from a scope i got a red dot now but well, some, it's not really a scope yeah i mean it's a sight yeah it's a sight, but, yeah, it's it's a sight but i don't i never did the whole you know three dots kind of thing i tried it not a fan you just um, said you never did it which never, is it Nick? never got into it never got into it yeah because i did kill a bird on the run with joe um with one and something like that but just i'm not a fan i like the red dots now the scope was really nice on that one But i just i still have the gun i just don't use it i don't know why um, oh, like the knockdown power of 12, you can reach out there a little 57 bit. 57 yards, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. wouldn't recommend that. No, it's probably not a recommendation, but it happens. It gets um, the job done. But then uh, I says, call and then eventually I did switch or switch over to mouth calls. Um, and then within the last year, I started getting into making my own mouth calls um, for turkey hunting because I found that I was spending a ton of money on mouth calls every year, and Only using like one so like I'd spend all this money trying out different calls and I was only using one of them because you know that's what happens you buy a five pack and only like one so whatever decided to buy a kit uh started making my own calls and never looked back I can crank calls out like crazy try out crazy different uh, cuts on the reads um, and if I don't like it I toss it right there make another one Uh, it's been pretty cool to do it that way Um, what are the names of these calls so the ones that have stuck, I have the uh, spread V, which is a good uh, you know, split V call. That's
0: my favorite um, one that you've made. Yeah, that I like one's that really one nice.
1: Um, I got the BBC. Uh, that's the big black call. Um, speaks for itself. Um, it's, is that it's, too much to handle, or can the average person handle uh, it? going to take some practice and experience, but yeah. You have to get used to it. Uh, and then the last one I got right now... Uh, none of these are for sale quite yet might be able to talk me into a sampler pack uh, but I got the gilf which is the uh, gobbler I'd like to find um, and that one is a very raspy sounding call um, shows experience and we'll bring the bird right in like I said probably not the prettiest but it gets you with experience and we'll talk them gobblers in so someone looking for that old mature experience 10 a gobbler gonna yeah if you're trying to go for that sound yeah that's exactly what we got
2: so you you know you call into a young gobbler that wants someone to teach him a thing or two. Yeah,
1: something like that would probably work. And what's the brand name for these? Uh, those are the white cat calls. So, cat calling to the turkeys. Gets them every time. It does. <whistles> that's a that's a little cat call, right there. But uh, like I said, actually Sharpie he's laying birds down with the cat calls. Um, yeah, he killed two last year with them. Yeah. So we got that. Um, I said I'll be using. Probably spread V for most of the season. Um, It's just, you know, you're run of the mill every day. Good call. So, yeah, that's uh, my progression through turkeys. But um, deer hunting was also right in line with that. I started deer hunting at 10. Um, I had quite the dry spell on deers. It took me a long time. Wait, did you say deers? Yeah, catching deers. Had a hard time catching them.
0: It is
2: tough to catch them sometimes. I have a question for you related to deer hunting. Mm -hmm. Last episode, we talked about the white cat outdoors headquarters, our cabin up in New York.
1: What is your biggest, no buck, comment, your biggest, buck? <laughs> no comment, taking off the headquarters. No comment. Farm? I'm just here. So I don't get fined.
2: <laughs> Does that mean you have not shot a buck? I'm just here. So I don't get fined. There you have it. Folks is not shot a buck at the headquarters.
1: As I was saying about my deer hunting experience, had a hard time getting going, uh, Missed a buck with my rifle. Um, that was that was grandpa's fault, though. Man, that, I wouldn't say it's grandpa's fault. I pulled the trigger. Um, but a little bit of influence. He I mean, there was a rush, but yeah, it happened. Is he, like, kicking you in the back of the legs while you are trying to shoot? No.
2: Well, no, normally, like, when you're the one pulling the trigger, you'd want to be the one stopping the deer when it's in your lane. Yeah. Cool. It was in a lane for my grandpa that didn't have a gun, so my grandpa stopped it for Nick. And Perfect then, shot. And then yelled at Nick
1: for not pulling the trigger. So that got the deer a little excited. But anyways, I was young. It happened. Um, man, I a lot of cold days in the stand without seeing anything. Tell um, them about your first day deer hunting, rifle hunting with grandpa. Uh, yeah, I was. I would have been 10, and this was the following. So like, I killed that bird in the spring. That following deer season i went out with my grandpa and uh we were heading over to what we called the swamp stand and climbing up and i had dropped my glove out of my pocket on the way up and it was a snowy rainy day it was, it was cold. like in the morning yeah like it was before daybreak we, yeah we were just getting up there for the all-day sit and um i get up there and my grandpa gets up and i says grandpa I forgot i dropped my glove when i was walking up and he said okay we'll get it at dark <laughs> so i had a chilly hand and i didn't see a single deer all day until the one that tom shot i got to go see that one um but yeah so finally i was probably i was probably 12 or 13 got my first buck got a little five point and uh never looked back have uh, up actually hm up and except for one i've done better with every buck i got and it happens to be the first one that walks by I got
0: yeah you have been insanely lucky with that
1: i like to call it put myself in the right place um luck does have a little very very do, small amount not not much really but yeah so that's deer hunting um recently got into snake hunting but i think we'll be getting into that probably yeah we'll more talk later. about that in a while um so just throw it out there big time snake hunter yeah but um, like
0: let's stay with deer hunting for a while you said you're okay. just now getting like the, p- the past few years are getting heavily into archery hunting. When did you, like, actually start?
2: So, when did you start and what has
1: changed? Okay, so. Hitting you with a lot here. When I was probably around the same time I killed my bird, about 10, we had, I was already shooting bows. Um, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. but, like, when did you start actually archery hunting, not just shooting? I started bows?
1: archery hunting as soon as I turned 12. Um, but it wasn't, like, uh, my heart wasn't in it. I was out there because it was deer season and I liked being out in the deer woods. Um, but you know, it was more, you know, I broke. I broke out the bow two weeks before the season, um, shot a few times and that was about it. Um, but like I said, I didn't really get like into really studying why or where I should be in the woods. Um, I really was just jumping up into a tree stand that I knew where it was at. It didn't matter if it was in a good spot for that time of year. I just was out there not really paying attention to much and just hoping I'd cut, across something and get lucky um but i started with i think a psc just i don't even know what kind i mean like 30 pound yeah just like a youth bow yeah and i never even hunted with that bow that was just my target bow when i was you know 10 11 years old yeah and then uh paul Shar uh handed down his old fred bear that maxed at 35 pounds and i took that for my first two seasons of deer hunting never drew it back on a deer and then about at that point i took over my dad. Um, he had a Matthews LX and I shot that for a really long time. And it was up until probably, like I, said, I was probably 18 when I really started to get serious about archery hunting. Um, college got in the way. So it was as much as I could, but I was still doing yeah. a lot of learning when it came to it. Uh, and then this past year I upgraded to that Lone Wolf custom gear Lobo and yeah, that, that things, that thing's love that bow. And I've been shooting that one constantly since I got it. Um, Joined an outdoor league, been shooting every weekend. Indoor COVID. league? Yeah, indoor. That's what I said, right? Something like that. But uh, COVID kind of screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah, a lot. Uh, but I still shoot at the house after work and stuff. You know, I'm taking a turkey hunting with me. So,
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I hope you get one with your bow. That'd be freaking sick.
1: Yeah, that's uh, for sure. Like I said, I'm, I think you said it best. The, uh, if I'm going for a body shot or a headshot, it's going to be a game time decision. Been practicing yeah. for both. Um, so we'll just, uh, see what happens yeah definitely what kind what of broadhead
2: are you using for these birds
1: uh i'm actually just going to use the exact same setup i got for whitetail um so it's uh what am i what i got it's a hybrid i think they're called blood sport grave diggers um so it's got two fixed two mechanicals um flies really really well shoot 70 pounds 29 and a half inch draw i honestly don't even know the weight of my arrow it's a 340 spline and I, I don't know that's one thing i never really got into when it came to like archery equipment is like oh your arrow has to be this heavy or you have to have this much let off or your bow's got to be above this pound it's like it shoots it's really fast i enjoy it it's accurate for me and i can tell you right now the setup i got now kills deer well, Ted Nugent, he swears by, what, 52 pounds? 50, yeah, somewhere in there. 52, 53 mm-hmm. pounds.
2: So, I mean,
0: yeah. it's all you need to you kill something. You leave it something. up to the
1: majestic flood of the arrow. Exactly. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so many different schools of thought on stuff like that, but bottom line is, you know, if you can kill them with a longbow, it doesn't matter how fast it's coming out of a compound. You know, it's obviously going faster than a longbow, and you're yeah, going to kill stuff if spend, you put the arrow in the right spot.
1: Yeah, I spend more time trying to figure out where the deer is going to be Instead of how I'm going to kill it, because I feel like that that equation's already been figured out. I know what's exactly. go- I know what's going to kill him. Uh, I'm trying to put the rest of the puzzle together at this point. So that's about where I'm at. Progression how is wise. your?
2: You talked about like the the mental transition, but like what like the actual transition? What I know you have gone mobile this
1: year. Give us a little insight on that. So that was a big thing. Um, I started hunting with a climber a few years ago. Um, and I really, really liked that. I actually started killing a lot more deer once I could use a climber, um, and was just going off instinct really. Um, like it was, I mean, luck was a lot of it, but, um, walking into an area in the dark, I feel like you see, even though it's, I mean, it's dark, but like when that sun first starts to come up, uh, you can kind of see the layout of the woods. You don't see all the brush on the ground, like the smaller stuff. And you can kind of see, the ground and like the woods, the way a deer would see it at night. And you can kind of almost see like uh, pinch points and stuff really easily from the ground. Um, And I've used that to help locate where I want to put my climber. Um, And then this past year I decided that like I was kind of getting limited with a climber on like what trees I could get into just because, you know, not everything's a telephone pole up in these woods around PA and New York and Ohio. Uh, So I switched over to a lock on style um, and at first I was using a, uh, lone wolf, like an old, it had to be like mid nineties, uh, cast aluminum stand and some XOP sticks. Um, and then like actually like an XOP I beam, it was kind of like a mash of different stands and sticks, all like bolted and a lot of grinding and stuff to get, <laughs> to make everything fit, but straight uh, up factory. Yeah. It's, it's Franken stand if you will, but, um. After uh, do a se- I did a season of that and fell in love with it and decided that I wanted to get serious in that game, I uh, went over to Lone Wolf Custom Gear, and I got uh, stand and sticks from them uh, pre-ordered and just wait until they can open back up and start shipping stuff out. So that should be here for Yeah, I'm pretty season. pumped
0: for all that stuff to ship because we put we put in a pretty good-sized order. Uh, I bought a stand and sticks. Nick bought stand and sticks. You know, we spent we, arm. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of stuff, and I'm definitely excited to – get out with all that stuff this fall
1: yeah i'm really excited about that whole setup but yeah so mobile mobility has been a huge factor in my success um i've had a lot of deer i've killed have just been first sit in an area boom get out nobody ever knew i was there so yeah so you
2: we know you're a big time uh turkey hunter big time deer hunter yep is there anything else you, i know you used to coon hunt yeah i was
1: big into the coon scene uh back when we that was uh, i guess i was turkey hunting and deer hunting by then because i was almost into high school but, but i was I say how old were you guys when you got uh, the i was dogs, like eighth seventh grade in, maybe uh, i was seventh grade seventh so you, grade yeah but anyway so summer after sixth grade yeah tom got two blue tick coon hounds that me and him helped together you know we trained them ourselves literally right off the book of where the red fern grows. Um, like we didn't clearly it worked. Yeah, it did. Like I said, we, we went directly off that book and movie, um, book and movie are pretty similar. So yeah, it's like exactly one was based off of the other. Yeah, so that, that, that part's true. But, um, so literally exactly how he trained his dogs there. Uh, that's how we did it with ours and man, it worked really well for a long time. Um, me and Tom were hunting coons every night throughout the season during school. I mean, out all night long chasing dogs through the woods. I don't know how you could beat it. That's probably some of the most fun hunting there is out there, just running through the woods, chasing the sound of a tree coon and ready to go.
2: Anything else you hunt?
1: Uh, rattlesnakes, big time. Big really, Big time rattlesnake guy. Oh, yeah. How'd and, you get into that? Um, uh, on my own, actually? No. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> yeah, it was totally uh, on your own. So, uh... Good friend of mine, Frank Myers. Don't know if you guys know who he is. He's on the podcast from time to time. Uh, Pretty much all the time. Yeah, he's, he actually, he's got 100% attendance right now. I think I do. Um, Frank texted me one night, and he says, Hey, Nick, I've uh, been thinking about snake hunting. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, rattlesnakes. Pennsylvania, what do you say? I was like, well, how do you go about it? And he's like, well, they uh, just switched over to an over-the-counter tag, so all you got to do is go buy a tag, and we can go. And I said, say less. Let's go. So yeah, I've been like
0: talking about it with my dad for like two years, you know, applying for the tag and stuff. And we just never did it because we didn't really, you know, have anyone that knew what they were doing or, you know, know where to go. But after a while, I was like, you know what the hell with this? I really want to do this. So I'm doing it. I'm getting my permit this year. And I texted Nick. I was like, let's freaking do it, buddy.
2: Text to me. Still coming through. Is it still sending?
0: Tom, I do believe that we took you snake hunting and you caught some snakes. Yeah, yeah, but... I believe I got you on your snakes. I
2: got myself on my snakes. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll be so over here. As I yeah. was saying, uh, Frank says... like
1: three times without me, and then they're like, Tom, this is really fun. Okay, so to be fair, to be we were fair. trying to figure out where these bad boys were, which I was getting into. Frank calls, your texts, we get our snake permits. Fast forward, um, I recall back on a time when I was living down in uh, central Pennsylvania area, going to school, and did some hiking down there and i remember seeing a single rattlesnake on a 12 mile hike and that was more rattlesnakes than frank or i have ever seen in pennsylvania so we figure that's got to be the the that's got to be the spot to go so off we go we get in the pickup truck we just head down that way um drive up to the top of the mountain park the truck and we just start walking we had literally no experience no mentors no nothing just started hiking um hiked for a good mile and a half or so yeah it was probably
0: just over a mile probably not quite a mile and a half
1: we had just took a nice sit on there was a rock overhanging this like shale cliff and we were sitting up there for a while great It wasn't like a
0: straight cliff like you could walk on it but it was pretty steep
1: yeah pretty steep there was a rock overhanging we were just sitting on that really cool view top of the world kind of feeling um Got down off that and we're walking on that, you know, it's like not a cliff, but pretty steep and it's like full of like shale You got to be careful when you're walking. And so we're, you know, walking around and we're talking, you know, we don't even know if we're in the right area. You know, we haven't seen any snakes, haven't heard any snakes, nothing. And about that time, Frank slips, falls, puts his hand down and there's the rattle in the oh shit moment. Yeah. Damn Uh, near put my hand right on top of it. We found our first snake. We got super stoked about it. We uh, picked it up, took it down to the road. It was much too small to keep, um, but nonetheless, we wanted some pictures. Um, we were just super excited, so we figured we'd practice getting it measured, all that kind of stuff. Sexing it. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was Counting fun. its toaster strudels, everything. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we get to, down on the road. Truck comes up right in the middle of our photo shoot, and he tells us that, man, he's been up here for years, and that's the first snake he's seen around here since he's, I mean, been around. So we're like, are you so we found the one snake on the mountain, this is great. And I asked him, I'm like, well, I'm like, how often do you look for him? He says, I watch every step I take. Fair enough, sir. Obviously, he watches where he steps. We just got lucky found this snake. Awesome. We put him back where we found him and uh on our little hike. And I'd say maybe a hundred yards up the road. Yeah, it there was, was a not far. There was a gate with some like rocks piled up on each side. And Frank says, I'll take this side, you take that side, kind of thing. Uh, And I'd jump up on a rock, and then I screamed like a little girl. Nick uh, had his
0: oh shit moment. Yeah,
1: because then I had a large rattlesnake at my toes, like right at my toes, rattling like crazy. I jumped off the rock, got back, kind of got my composure, called Frank, told him there's a snake over here, pulled it out, and uh, it was about 39 and a half or so. Big snake. Not legal, though. So, it, they
0: look huge the first time I, you see them. Yeah, I tell you what. And that one was a male, too. So it, it was nice and it was beefy. He had a nice fat head. So it yes. looked like a rattlesnake.
1: Yeah, we put them back. Um, and what is legal? 42.
0: And they have um, to be a male.
1: Yeah, they have to be a male. So like you said, that was the end of... That was actually... Those are the only two snakes we found that day, wasn't it? Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. We
0: right. found a third one literally another 100 yards up there. Oh, the that's road. right.
1: Yeah. You did find another one. I yeah. Oh, the, the yeah. The two no, I it,
0: found were females and you found a male.
1: Yeah. So there was that. That was that was our first trip. And I was, I mean, borderline addicted. Oh, yeah. I mean, that I was, that's like a drug. Yeah. Not, I mean, there's, if you're an adrenaline junkie and you like the outdoors, you need to go snake hunting because something about playing or not even, not playing, but like going yeah. after an animal that you have no real advantage over. Like he can really screw up your day, ruin mm. the afternoon, if you will. Yeah. Um, you definitely got to be careful, careful and no respect how, them. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely um, respect them. But it's that's been a lot of fun for us. Um, and actually I did, like Tom came with us. We brought our buddy, Jared Larson, Frank's dad, um, friend of mine, Morgan Bruins, when came with us. Um, and I did end up getting a legal snake this year at 48 and a half inches. Yeah, a it was Beautiful a black face. Um, and Chuck Rupert. Uh, at uh, Second Life Freeze Dry, did it up for me around one of my bucks, and turned out to be absolutely phenomenal. Very majestic centerpiece for anywhere. Beautiful.
0: Absolutely. We found 36, 35, 35 snakes, right? and that was our four
1: fir- legal because we yeah. put one back.
0: Yeah, we found five, five legal or ones five legal. Sorry, five and legal. Kept four of and them. them. The one legal one that I found was forty five. I let it go because it had a crappy rattle. It was wasn't what I wanted so I let it go Jared's had enough for you and that one yeah it sure did he's had what, 14 no it had more I thought it had 16 oh maybe something like that
1: something in the in the teens lots of them but
0: oh oh man time for a smoke break
1: <sighs> yeah I think we ought to well you got, uh, you guys mind
0: yeah you're in the seat man Heat it up for us
1: all right so as I uh, take my smoke break here in uh, lieu of turkey season because that's coming up I mean, by the time you guys think, are hearing this... Doesn't
0: in lieu of mean, like... Instead of. In,
2: yeah. Uh, I think so. hundred percent. Yeah.
1: You don't have to check on it. I mean... No, psh. you don't have to check on because I'm telling you. <laughs> you of. know shapes, not grammar, all right? So. I had a college professor that's
2: used to cancel class and then say, in lieu of class, do this online
1: assignment. Well, if you'd let me finish... That sounds was,
2: like instead
1: of. In lieu of a smoked recipe, I was oh. gonna get into. A you said in lieu of turkey, seasoning. turkey seasoning on the stove. See, you guys, just if you let me finish, it would have made perfect sense. All right, why don't you lay it but, on us? Okay, I guess instead of a smoke recipe, we're going to do we're going to do a recipe in the pan instead of the smoker. Um, so what you're gonna need: one, a dead turkey, preferably just the breasts for this recipe. You're gonna need a Ziploc bag. A lemon pepper marinade. They sell it at literally every store that sells groceries and lemon pepper stuff. Uh, so easy to get your hands on. Go to the lemon pepper uh, store. You'll yeah, find it. It's right there. Um, like a liquid marinade? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Liquid. And then you're going to need a frying pan, some butter, um, and then a little bit of Hunt Chef uh, feather duster works really well for this recipe. So uh, you'll see where that comes into play here real soon. So what you're going to do, you're going to kill a turkey. Once it's dead, get the breasts out. Um slice them up into little nuggets. Try and pull out out uh, any BBs if that if Tom shot it, could have a lot of BBs in there. Probably.
2: Um, yeah, cuz I shoot 3 and a halves.
1: Yep. And that's, that's true. why you
2: fill the breast with BBs. Yep. So
1: you're going to want to get all the BBs out if you can. If not, you're just going to hurt your teeth later. Not the end of the world though. Anyway, cut them up into little nuggets. I think it adds a little bit of extra flavor. Yep. Put them in a Ziploc bag with your lemon pepper seasoning or marinade, sorry. And you're just going to let them soak in that for I mean, you could do overnight. You can do a couple hours. Um, you just don't want to go, like, too crazy. But overnight is probably your best bet. Um, it lets everything really get the juices flowing and for your best effect. Uh, and then what you're going to do, pop them out of the bag after it's been overnight. You know, it's very critical time measurement there. But overnight, it could do it for breakfast, I guess. I'm, I ain't going to stop you. This is quarantine. Uh, anyway, so. There's no rules. You're going to get. Uh, cast iron pan put some butter in there and you're just going to pan fry these suckers um, just ever so slightly you know get them cooked well through but you don't want to overdo turkey especially wild game because then it gets really dry really fast Um, honestly I can't tell you what the uh, temperature is for turkey but look it up you'll figure it out Um, and then when you're done get them in the pan (laughs) yeah (laughs) get them in the pan and then before serving, take that Hun Chef uh, feather duster, sprinkle a little bit on top for a little pizzazz. Actually, really nice color on top because it's like a nice red. It's kind of it almost looks like paprika on top, kind of, if you will, but way better. Um, serve it up with a nice ying banger, and uh, even if it is breakfast, um, mm-hmm. still have the ying banger. Yeah, that's where it's like best. Like I said, it's quarantine. You can do whatever you want. It's delicious, um, truly, and uh, yeah, get down on that smoke break. That's it.
0: That, that's it for the smoke break yep, this week. That is. My cigarettes empty. Okay, mine too. So uh where where were where were
2: we at? We actually had a pretty nice pause there. We got into the smoke break, and now to jump us right back in, we're gonna go into a segment where we confirmed the name Cat Quick Questions. I thought it was quick cat. Quick cat questions.
1: I thought it was cat Kit Kat questions. The break name me is off not a piece yet of confirmed.
2: that.
0: White cat Still not confirmed as of as of now. We're started working. it last week, but um, I like
2: quick cat questions. Yeah. Break time, anytime. Anyway, we're just going to rifle through some questions. Danette, get to know him a little bit. Rifle him. He, he's going to answer them real quick, no explanation. As fast as I can. Yep. Get Pass. ready. Here we go. Favorite camo? Tree bark. Favorite bow? Lone Wolf Custom Gear Lobo. Fixed or mechanical broadhead? Mechanical. Favorite animal to hunt? Whitetail. Favorite famous hunter.
1: Ooh, um, can I go? It's supposed to be or? quick. This is not quick cat. Alright. Ted Nugent, Stan
2: Potts. Are you for or against Sunday hunting? All for it. What is your preferred deer rifle? Kimber, seven mm, 08. Oh wait. Preferred turkey gun. Eleven
1: eighty seven. What is your preferred turkey load? One that kills a bird. I don't really care. As long as it's turkey load, gets the job done. I don't get too picky. Um, but right now I'm using, uh, I think they're heavy shots with like five, seven, and eight shot in it. Is that three inch or three and a half? Three all day because that's all you need. Boom. Is next that question. You can't next question. The
2: next question is Are you afraid of the three and a half inch turkey load? <laughs> that's not the next question. No. And that's our segment on Quick Cat questions. Kit Kat, break me off a piece of that. Quick Cat question. Yeah. So Nick, we've gone through hunting. I know you're not just a hunter. I know you've done a little bit of fishing. You're not a huge fisherman guy, but you have fished. You have experience and knowledge in fishing. So hit us with some of that.
1: You put your bait in the water, and when the if if the when the if the you, when the fish you, and he when he when he swims and the and the fish likes the bait in the in the water the uh, sometimes the, the, the fish will um, the the fish will bite your bait uh, and then and then you're gonna some you want to jerk your pull unless you're using a circle hook um, but you'll jerk and then the fish jerks back. And then you get into a jerking match with this fish. How long, long do you jerk it for? As long as it takes to get it in. Um, and, it, and then the fish, he comes to the surface, and if he's big enough, you, you, you'd put him in the cooler. And then if he's not, you throw him back.
0: Thank you for that. Nick.
1: Do you have a favorite fish to put through this process?
0: I can't believe you kept going with that for that long. I thought you were just gonna do that for like two seconds and then, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm retarded. Yeah, I
1: didn't. I was surprised I didn't laugh doing that. Yeah, I was uh, keeping my composure there. Um, favorite fish to put through the ringer. Um, hmm, hmm, probably catfish, only because that's my favorite one to eat. How um, do you go about catching these brutes? Catfish is your favorite fish to eat. Yeah.
0: That's surprising. Most people, I mean, I like catfish, but most people don't like catfish all that much.
2: They're delicious. Nick is very good at cleaning a catfish. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Um, Speed, I have a story. Maybe we could do a how-to video. Yeah. I have a story Yikes. about cleaning
0: things later that has to do with Nick. So we're going to finish with that. We'll, we'll go back to if Nick's it's my room.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. No. No. <laughs> so uh, so you me, have someone else clean it. But yeah. before that, no. So, how so your do you cat, catch it? you're catfishing. You're catfishing. Um, no, I cleaned the catfish myself I just uh, had a hell do of a time shit job. yeah that's true so anyways I like to catfish late at night uh, usually tur- towards the mouth of a creek whether it's this one or that one cause I does won't it matter tell if which it's one. a crick uh, crick yeah it's actually a crick sorry creeks aren't real uh, that's what you hear on the floor yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's good uh, so I like to do it at the mouth of the the floor noise and uh, late at night, I like to use some real stinky bait, you know, something that makes you go, pee, ew, you know, something like that. You're like, ew, I don't want to touch it. That stink, you know. Um, you put that on your hook. You throw that out there. Um, usually, I, I always, you bring a buddy. They do the same thing. And then you sit there and bullshit. And drink beer. And you wait. Sometimes you catch them. Sometimes you don't. Those it top water, middle water, bottom water? Uh, bottom, a bottom feeder. So you're the big sinker. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time sinker guy. You want that sit on the bottom, catfish come by, shark in the water. (laughs) 23 kids go into the water. How far out out, from your hook cream man, take the rest?
2: How far from the hook
1: do you like your sinker? Oh geez. Uh, about this far. I, I have no idea. About six seven inches i don't know they make catfish rigs yeah that too specifically like I, said, designed I, I don't for get it. technical with my fishing maybe that's why i'm no good at it um i i don't have a ton of knowledge on fish uh, a lot of times i'm looking over what the next guy's doing and copying that and i not ashamed to say it because i just said it live so uh, like i said i just like catfishing because it's uh pretty slow paced and you get to have a good time and
2: hanging out with the buddies
1: Oh, yeah, that's another big oh, thing yeah. about them is the fight. Uh, we live in a pretty good catfishing area. So, like I said, I mean, perch fishing is fun, but there's you're, you're constantly moving. Walleye, there's a lot of work going on. Steelhead, you're up and down. You're irritating this guy because you're standing too close to him or you're too deep in the hole. I don't know. Catfishing, you put your lawn chair up there. You just have a good time with your buddies, and it doesn't get any better than that for me. I agree. So you catch them. You do a bang-up job cleaning them. How do you cook them? Fry them up. Deliciously, you just cook them um, like walleye. Yep, pretty perch. much just like walleye. Just frying. Yeah. Deep frying, pan fry Yeah, deep. Fr- them. I I like to deep fry mine. Um, like I said, but I mean, I've had them blackened, fat them. I actually haven't had them baked, but deep fry is probably the best because I mean, why not? Exactly. Delicious. I like to put some sort of Cajun. Uh, Hun Chef makes a Cajun style seasoning uh, that's really good on them. But uh, like any, any real Cajun works really good with them. A little bit of lemon. Ugh. Ugh. Can't go wrong in there, huh? Nope, not at all. But uh, that's about all I know for fishing. Sorry, that's okay. So not my strong suit.
0: Story. I'll I'll let you share a story about Nick if you feel like oh, it after boy. this. Um, but I have like,
2: a few. I've, it's like I've I known them
0: my whole I this is the time life. we get into the
1: fiction part of the podcast.
0: Yeah, so like it, it, this isn't like one specific story, but you talking about cleaning catfish and him being really, really bad at it um, reminded me of how Nick does
1: not like to gut his deer. It's not that I don't like to gut it. I just like to offer the opportunity to anybody around. And I wouldn't take that from somebody. If somebody wants to do it, I'm giving them the opportunity. I don't see you guys asking if anybody can gut your deer and like you said that to me that's just selfish and i'll stand by that yeah so
0: nick just he doesn't he always has some stupid ass excuse as to why he can't and i remember was it, it was last year when you shot your doe up at the headquarters oh yeah
1: no two years ago because you got your big buck last year
0: yeah two years ago so nick shoots this deer and
1: it it goes quite a ways tom yeah, we've gone over the story yeah. tom helped me out at the end yeah uh, we got it back to the cabin all right, pick up. So we
0: Nick didn't want to gut this thing because it, he just didn't feel like it. and
2: well, I, I didn't have
1: a meat pole, and I was doing, uh, I was just taking out. That had out
2: nothing th- to do with it. You don't gut a deer on a meat pole. You gut it on the ground and then put it on a meat pole. I didn't pole. have to gut it to get what I needed out of it.
0: Okay, so Nick just didn't, he wanted to be lazy, and I said that I'm never gutting another deer for Nick, and Tom said the you same thing. You never
1: gutted a deer for me. How about this one? You said, I'm never doing another one for Nick, as if this happens all the time. You've never gutted a deer for me until this time. Right okay,
0: now. well, Tom has done several for you. No, he hasn't. Baloney.
1: That's, uh, and I don't know if Tom's going to lie to you right now, but he has not gutted a deer for me. False. Okay. 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 Moving on. He literally can't even keep a straight face right now. I remember
2: one specific time up at the Morrison farm. It's my story. Yep. So, okay. So we
0: get this thing back, and I wanted to get the heart out of it, but Nick's like, no, nah, I don't feel like gutting it. I was like, you're retarded. So I gutted the thing and pulled the heart out of it, and he was leaving the tenderloins in it because, because he Because it was didn't. a gut shot. So I got the thing, pull the heart out of. It. He's like, "Well, no, I guess since it's gutted, I'll pull the tenderloins out of it and just and, see if they're any good." Yeah, and turns out they were just fine. And Nick, yeah, just and guess what? You were eating it. good that night because I shared them with the class. Yeah, you sure did. But yeah, so Nick just—he always has an excuse. He always cuts his finger as soon as he starts, before he even touches the knife to the deer. Something, something goes wrong, and someone yeah, else has to take care of it. So Tom, see, I, Tom, what's your story?
1: You guys are acting like Nick I don't gut my deer. I do. I just ask if anybody wants Most to. Most of the time, you do gut your own deer. I would say all but that Not time. without a fight.
2: No, because I very specifically remember gutting one of your doe up at the Morrison farm. I mm, Sounds fiction to me. You shot it out of the tripod stand, mm. dead in the goldenrod field, because I specifically remember. I remember you holding the legs. That was about
1: it. I remember removing. Maybe a
2: headlamp. Yeah. No, I definitely got the deer for you. But mm. there was another time up at the Morrison Farm where Nick was actually gutting this deer. And I, I will admit, no light. We didn't. there wasn't the best light. We had a dim four-wheeler headlight. And we thought Nick did a great job gutting this deer. And we get it back to camp, get it hung up on the meat hooks. And we're like, where the hell are the tenderloins? This one's true. 100% fact on this story. I don't know how it happened. Nick did such a good job going to steer that he started managed... Started
1: processing it, too.
2: Started... Or managed to remove the tenderloins. And leave them in the gut pile. Yeah, he just... He was ripping everything out that he could get his hands on, but... Hey, it happens. And it does. But... So, Nick, we've talked about, you know, your earliest memory we've talked about some of your not so fine moments in the outdoor world let's hear about your in your opinion your finest outdoor memory
1: the pinnacle um hmm so if i had to pick the pinnacle of my outdoor experiences Honestly, I'm. This is gonna sound. Are you gonna tell the damn no, story? No, I got the story, and this probably is gonna come to a surprise to you guys because it's not my biggest buck. It's not my first buck. Any, it's it is a deer story. Um, but uh, basically, I was I had to have been tenth grade of high school, and uh, I was getting ready. Uh, wrestling season was getting ready to start been doing it for a long time and my heart wasn't in it anymore. Um just couldn't uh couldn't do it. I just like I said I finished out my freshman year and that was 12 years. Um and I just my heart was not in it anymore. I had had enough and I decided that I was done hunting. Or I mean I was not done hunting, done wrestling. Um so before the season started, I went in, talked to my coach, told him that it was done. He didn't want to hear it. Told me, "Nah." You're gonna wrestle, and I said, "No, we'll see it practice." I'm uh, telling you right now, before we start this season, that I am done. He says, "Go put your shoes on," you know, and uh, I told him, "No, like I actually I can't because my dad's out in the parking lot, and we're going to deer camp tonight." So he says, "Get the hell out of my office," and there I went, got in the truck with my dad, went up to camp, uh, had a great time that night. Went out the next morning, and I put a dough down and that was right there, solidified it for me, uh, and the reason why that's my favorite story is my uh, my coach tried to tell me that uh, I got my whole life to hunt, but I've only got a few years to wrestle, and I looked at him dead in the face, and I said, I got my whole life to hunt, but I don't know how many years I got it with my grandpa and my dad, and that's why I'm going, and I took off, went up there with my grandpa and my dad to camp, and I killed a doe the next day, and that right there is my favorite one, so... Very heartwarming. Yep, tenderloins for breakfast. Do you Just have, do you have a chew. ying banger with your breakfast? No, I was under twenty-one. Fifteen, yeah. Probably oh. had a pinch of chew though. Don't, don't tell my mom.
2: So <laughs> talked about hunting.
1: <laughs> Shut up.
2: Hunting with dad and grandpa. Would you consider them your hunting idol?
1: Idols, yeah. Because there's two of them. Um, yeah, two I got little. I got my first turkey uh, with my dad. First buck with my grandpa um enjoy hunting with them as much as i can everything i've learned um for the most part comes from them you know i've picked up a few things on my own but i tell you what the things that work the best tend to come from those two because um, they got a lot of experience you know they've hunted all over the country um and just they, like i said they're definitely my idols when it comes to it if i got questions about the way i should go about something in the woods um you know if after a certain deer or hunt a different piece of property or whatever go to them they can usually lead me in the right direction and that's where i get a lot of my success from thank you for that nick yep and uh so
2: yeah we talked about your first hunting memory talked about your best hunting memory talked about a little bit about fishing just a little bit a little bit but uh I think we're at that part in the episode where you, our host hot seat, mm-hmm. gives our listeners the old write it in pen. Oh man. The old live by, die by little
1: thing that keeps right. you going day to day. Wet your quills, everybody. Uh, for So I'm going to give just the quick boom phrase and then I'm going to elaborate on it. Um, my write and pen is be instinctive. Um, and what I mean by that is... Can you elaborate? <laughs> exactly what I said I was going to do. <laughs> um, what I mean by that is uh, as much as I go to my dad my grandpa for advice and everything, learn yourself, do what the first thing that comes to you. I've gotten so many deer from walking into the woods with no real knowledge on that area and just picking a tree because that was the first one that I decided to climb up and then killed it. And I think all humans have some sort of instinct when it comes to hunting. And I think people need to try and dig into it. Like I said, just be instinctive, um, learn for yourself. Don't be afraid to fail uh, and just get out there, have fun and follow the first thought as long as it's safe. um, When you're out there in the deer woods, you know, if you're, I've literally, I've sat in a tree stand I've been there for 20 minutes and decided I'm not having it and I'll get down and I'll go walk to a totally different area just out of, I I don't wait to think, eh, let's see if something comes like, no, I'm, if I, if the thought comes into my head that I should be in a different stand, I'm gone because the entire night I'm going to think about what could be happening over there. So I just, I jump on my instincts all the time for hunting and I've seen it pay off and I can't say if it's failed or not because You weren't in the other spot. Yeah. So it's got 100% success rate. So yeah, be instinctive. Thank you, Nick. Yep.
0: That's definitely rock solid advice because I know like me and Tom, you know, we, with our turkey hunting experience, we always set out with this plan and we know, okay, you know, this is what the birds do. We know this is what's going to happen. And we don't follow our instincts. We hear the birds over here and you're like, it's like, you know what? They should, we should be over there. You know that's definitely the spot. We know we should be where we are, but let's just close the gap a little bit, and then we go and do that. And all of a sudden, about 20 minutes later, there's Bird's Goblin right on top of where we were. So if we would have followed the instincts, and this this is a yearly thing, we do it every year. So it's we like still a little tradition. <laughs> we still haven't learned from it. We just keep doing it for well, fun. Now
1: that I've said it and write it in a pen, you guys will know. Yeah, now this is that coming it's coming up written written in a couple down, of weeks, you know.
0: Yeah, it is. So it's written down in pen. We won't forget it. Juiced.
1: Another quick
2: little instinct story. Me and Nick were at the old Morrison farm and Nick was hunting a stand we like to call the hangover stand and were you hungover? No, No, that's just the name of the stand. An an evening hunt, actually. Oh wow. Yeah. That's a hung hangover. And I was gonna hunt what we call (laughs) the observation stand. Why is this
1: story so funny?
2: It just cracks me up. It's a heartbreaker. But it's called the observation stand because you can see a mile in any direction. And we have our bows, mind you. And so I'm walking there, and everything's telling me, Tom, hunt the observation stand, and which is about 60 yards from the hangover stand where Nick was hunting. And I get to the bottom of the observation stand, and I said, you know, I know I'm going to see deer, but... I, just, I don't think they're going to come into bow range, so I decided to walk across the field and go down to a food plot in the woods and hunt there. Well, about an hour into the hunt, Nick texted me and says, Hey, buddy, should have went with your first thought on the observation stand because there is a monster buck standing 20 yards in front of it send right him, now.
1: Send him a picture.
2: <laughs> How big was it? He was probably 130-inch 8-point. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was... Should have stuck with the instincts
0: on that one, buddy. Yeah, I really should have, but... I don't know why Nick wasn't helping you out with that. Yeah, why he didn't tell me to write
1: it in pen earlier, but... I mean, Tom's. I've... You know what? Even while we're on the topic of instinct, um, back on that controversial topic or story of where I stole a bird from Tom, uh, yeah, maybe I I said, maybe I didn't, that I was going one place, and I followed my instincts and went somewhere else, and it paid off. Uh, You know... Somebody said I got a little too close to him in the deer woods when I shot my doe. Uh, yeah, maybe I had plans to get a little deeper, but instincts told me to stay where I was at. And you know Check what? It uh, wasn't
2: the alcohol the night before that...
1: No, it was my instincts. Hmm. Right. So, right there, that should tell you. I mean, I've walked into the woods, pitch black, climbed around my back, no headlamp, climbed up the first tree. And before 8 o'clock, I'm calling Tom because I need somebody to help me drag. So Yeah, you did do true that. Story. So, true story. True story. Just be instinctive. Like I said, just the first thought, as long as it's a safe move, go for it. And by safe, I mean like not going to get yourself hurt. It's not safe to go like right into deer bedding, but it's not going to get you hurt. So like if that's what you're talking about, like if you feel like maybe you should go inside like some bedding or sanctuary, jump in there. I mean, you're not going to kill them if you don't get in there. So you might, (laughs) you might, but you might not. (laughs) There has been people that have killed deer outside of bedding. Oh yeah, I do it all the time. It's like a daily thing, in the season, of course.
2: Yeah. I hope not daily. Yeah.
0: So, Different uh, states. I guess I hope, yeah. I guess we've you know we've run through everything. Write it in pens. Usually, you know, right at the very end. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Nick? Ah,
1: uh, not really. I mean, um, I think I mean just to reiterate, just on the uh, just getting me into the woods young, I think has helped me get to where I am at such a young age. Where like I've, I mean I'm not slaying like huge monster bucks but I'm getting bucks very often I've got a lot of turkeys and stuff I'm enjoying the outdoors and I think a lot of that has to do with getting in there young um, and having an opportunity to do it so I mean if you've got anybody listening that's got you know younger kids or cousins nephews nieces Nick, I think you're
0: stealing my writing in pen from my I mean thoughts.
1: yeah but it like I said to reiterate I'm just
0: joking calm down
1: anyway uh if you got somebody that's little around you that's interested in getting outdoors don't turn it down to them like bring them out there and like I don't care if they're gonna sit there on their game boy uh for the first few times just get them out there and eventually they're gonna pick up on it so
0: kind can can, before we sign it off and get people outside
1: uh-huh
2: when
0: was the last time you saw a kid with a game boy Oof.
2: I was playing a DS the other day. I know it's not a Game Boy, but... Yeah, yeah he asked about similar. a Game Boy.
1: Like, when was the last time you had a Ford truck? Well, I had a Chevy uh, actually, truck. Mike Rez
2: plays a Game Boy quite regularly. Yeah, that
0: is true. Big Anyways, Pokemon guy. Yeah. Anyway, Nick, tell them what they need to know.
2: Wait, what brought up the whole Game Boy thing?
0: Because Nick said oh, even if had, they're sitting there with their Tom Game Boy. Tom was
1: on his phone. I don't know if you saw it. Oh. Oh. Okay. No, yeah. That's appropriate. Yeah, on my host hot seat. But it's cool. It's whatever. He He's only be. your brother. so Yeah, it's whatever. I'm not even it's bothered, water. really. Yeah, I wouldn't be. But like I said, like Frank said, we're going to sign it out here. Um, by the time you're listening to this, our uh, review on the pocket arm, Lone Wolf Custom Gear's pocket arm, of course, will be on the YouTube. Uh, so check that out. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe and like to our YouTube. And get outside.